At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball. From growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Getting you ready for the day in sports betting, this is Point Spread Saturday on VSIN, the sports betting network. Save 50% off a VSIN all access subscription for the rest of football season with our big game special. Get access to our in-depth matchup analysis, trends, and picks for every game and sport on the schedule, including our exclusive betting splits showing you where the money is going on every game. Sign up today, and you'll also get our daily best bets emails, weekly betting guides, 24-7 video, plus all new college bowl betting guide covering every bowl game for only $39 at vsan.com slash subscribe. Welcome back in to Point Spread Saturday. I'm Mark Zinno. Happy New Year, everybody. Appreciate you joining me here on what is the start of a huge betting weekend uh, with five bowl games today to almost put a bow on bowl season in college, but also week 17 in the NFL. And we'll get you through some playoff scenarios here uh, as we wrap up our number one of the program, uh, week 17 playoff implications. Uh, and we'll start in the AFC. Uh, the Buffalo Bills, who host the Atlanta Falcons today with a win and a Baltimore loss or tie, uh, will clinch a playoff berth. Another scenario for Buffalo, a win plus a Chargers loss or tie and a Raiders loss or tie gives them a uh, a playoff berth. Uh, obviously, the AFC East still up for grabs. But, you know, this Falcons-Bills matchup is kind of interesting. Um, and it's, it's a huge number to lay at 14 and a half. And Atlanta has been decently good to betters when they are getting this sort of big number. However... 
Atlanta has struggled against good teams this year. They're one and six against the spread versus winning teams. And five of those seven games, the spread was of a touchdown or better, seven points or better. So that would lead me to take Buffalo. Another trend that would lead me to take Buffalo is the fact that they're four and one against the number this year. When they're a double-digit favorite, they're only loss against the number coming to an outright loss against Jacksonville, uh, where they lost that game nine to six and were a 16 point favorite. So Buffalo has been good, especially at home as a double digit favorite. But this just feels like way too many points uh, for a Buffalo Bills team that hasn't really separated from anybody um, for the better part of the second half of this season. It's it's a contrarian play to sort of take the Falcons here because they're hard to trust against good teams and good defenses. Plus the Falcons offense has been bad they only average 18 points a game this year so you can't take the falcons in an under uh, or in an over spot rather and you can't take the bills in an under because they average nearly 30 points a game and so that leaves the total out of play here because you're asking one team to do all the work uh and it's it just it's a bad recipe as a better but i do think at 14 and a half if you're feeling frisky the falcons could be a play for you uh, i don't think th- that the falcons can win the game I think Buffalo certainly will win the game. It's just a question of by how much. Uh, Cincinnati can win the AFC North with a win this afternoon over Kansas City. One of the games that I played told you I like the over in this spot. I think Kansas City laying five, probably too many points uh, for them. But when you're looking at a total of 50 in this game, uh, 27-24 is a very viable, viable final if you ask me. Um, Kansas City gets out early. If you'd like Kansas City in the first half, if it's less than a field goal, I certainly don't think that's a terrible bet um, because Kansas City has been over the last couple of games in a spot where they've been scoring fast and early on in first halves and taking advantage of opponents. So a possibility there. The Colts can clinch a playoff berth with a win. Will it be tough to do without Carson Wentz? Absolutely. We won't know more about his status uh, you know, until the next 24 hours. I know, he, obviously, he's on the COVID protocol list, but uh, he's not vaccinated. And so we're waiting to see some official word. I know the league has changed. The NFL has changed their isolation period or their, their sort of quarantine period down to five days uh, as the league has gotten tired of, of big-time players missing big-time games, especially when it comes to having playoff implications. I don't trust the Raiders in this spot. If Carson Wentz isn't playing, I love the under between these two teams. The Raiders offense is only one time in the last seven games that they've broken 17 points. That was on that Thanksgiving night against Dallas. So I like the under here. I mentioned Kansas City and Cincinnati. Kansas City can clinch the AFC number one seed with a win and a Titans loss um, or a Kansas City tie and a Titans loss. The Titans are taking on the Miami Dolphins. They're hosting Miami in Tennessee. More on that. In a moment, uh, New England can clinch a playoff berth with a win and a Dolphins loss. Uh, I like the under in New England today against Jacksonville. Uh, New England's defense will do everything they need to uh, to limit Jacksonville. In fact, Jacksonville's team total, if it's 14 and a half or less, uh, I think that that's a number you can look at. I don't think they get to 14, 13, maybe the max. Uh, but again, a, a even despite the fact that it's a 41 and a half total, New England will do just enough to win the game. This could be a 27-6 kind of final. A 30-10 to 10 final still gets you home. So uh, Jacksonville being held 10 points or less, I think, is a very viable option for today. Tennessee can clinch the AFC, well, AFC South with a win. Uh, they're taking on a Miami team that is incredibly hot right now. Uh, winners of seven in a row. Uh, the Titans offense continues to struggle without any semblance of a running game. 
they haven't figured out what to do yet. Um, the, the fact that they've gotten Julio Jones and A.J. Brown back has not increased their passing game the way many would have thought. It's hard to lay points with Tennessee. They feel like a very chalky favorite today, um, laying just three points in this spot, three and a half, a very chalky number. Uh, I'd lean on the Dolphins here. No real feel for the game, but you look at that total at 40. It's hard for me to believe that the Titans um, are, are going to be able to cover this game without it going over. Uh, again, the Dolphins aren't a competent offense themselves, but their defense is very good. So I understand why that number where it is where it is. But again, just a very chalky feel for the Titans in a game that I'd probably stay away from. Uh, lean on the Dolphins, but no real play for it on me. Let's switch over to the NFC. Um, what has been clinched already for those who haven't been following? Dallas Cowboys clinched the NFC East. The Green Bay Packers clinched the NFC North. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have clinched the NFC South. Both the Cardinals and Rams have both clinched a playoff spot already. Green Bay can get the number one seed um, and with a win and a Dallas loss today, uh, or on Sunday, rather. Green Bay in a very advantageous position as they host the, I'm sorry, they traveled to Minnesota to take on the Vikings, who they lost to already this year, but no Kirk Cousins. And this number has steamed all the way up to a double-digit spot here for the Green Bay Packers. That's one of those ones where I look at the Packers team total and say, can they get to a team total over in this spot? I think they absolutely can. Uh, I wouldn't touch the spread given everything that's happened uh, without COVID. It's just a dangerous play. But I do think the Packers and their team total, depending on the number, are a viable play. Dallas will host Arizona in what seems to be a must-win spot for the Cardinals, who have been in what feels like a free fall uh, for the last couple of weeks and how bad that they've played uh, over the past couple of games. Uh, I don't know that you can trust them um, in this spot, despite the fact that they are getting five points. I hate the number for the Cowboys. I feel like this is a game where Arizona's defense shows up and does what they're expected to do. And they've done that really all season long. It's been the Arizona offense that really has caused a ton of problems for uh, the Cardinals over the last couple of weeks. They've just haven't been able to figure out uh, what they're supposed to be offensively. Could this be a game where they get right and you look at a shootout, decently high total, 51 and a half, 52 in certain spots. Uh, I look at the last couple of weeks for Arizona, uh, despite the one week in the last six where they've scored more than 30 against Chicago, they haven't scored more than 23 against anybody. And against competent defenses like the Rams um, and, and even the Colts, you're talking about 23 and 16 respectively. Dallas has a very good defense. So I don't know if Arizona can do their part to get to the total here. Uh, Dallas has allowed 20 or less in six of their last seven. Again, the lone outlier was Thanksgiving night against the Raiders. So this Dallas defense has done their job um, to make sure that opponents aren't finding points where they need to. I, again, I've seen certain handicappers say this would be a shootout. I tend to lean on the under, uh, but Dallas as an offense can score, and that would force Arizona to score. But I just haven't seen anything from Arizona offensively that makes me believe that all of a sudden they're going to get right. No DeAndre Hopkins, clearly, through the rest of the regular season. Uh, although they've gotten Chase Evans back and have found a little bit of a running game, it's the passing game where they haven't been able to do anything over the last couple of weeks. Um, and, and Dallas, obviously, is clicking on all cylinders. So I would lean on the under in this spot and also lean on taking the points with Arizona in a much more desperate spot uh, between those two teams. The Rams can clinch the NFC West division with a win and an Arizona loss. Uh, the Rams in a spot here where they are taking on uh, a team that, you know, uh, must get a win in the Baltimore Ravens on the road. 
Will they get Lamar Jackson back? That is a huge question. If you get Lamar Jackson back um, in this spot, I wouldn't let half. I just, just can't do it. Lamar Jackson and the Ravens need a win. I don't think the Ravens are a type of team that's going to lay down and, and fold and just say, hey, we're, we're going to punt this towards next season, despite the fact that they've been littered with injuries. Um, and, and they are just a team that um, is, is held together with duct tape and glue. But if you're going to do hold together a team with duct tape and glue, have Lamar Jackson be your quarterback. Because the one thing that you can't bet against or have no idea how it's going to, to work out is Lamar Jackson putting on a cape and winning games all by himself. Go back earlier in the year and look at the game against Indianapolis that the Ravens played, a game they should have lost, you know, would have lost had not been for Lamar Jackson putting on a Superman cape and winning the game for his team. That's always a viability. Rams coming across coast for a one o'clock kick. Not sure that means as much as it used to back in the day as players are better conditioned now than ever. But still, uh, if Lamar Jackson is playing in that game, Ravens keep that information close to the vest. Uh, I would not lay the five and a half points in that spot. Philadelphia Eagles can clinch a playoff berth with a win and so the loss and a New Orleans loss. All that stuff is possible. New Orleans will take on Carolina in just a yuck fest. Told you about Minnesota and the COVID issues that they're dealing with. But it is the Philadelphia Eagles who have started to put things together offensively and defensively down the stretch here um, as, as they have a game against the Washington football team um, that they defeated two weeks ago fairly handily. Uh, and you look at this line here at the Eagles laying four. Washington now gets their quarterback back. It's just a, a bad spot for uh, the Eagles to be laying points on the road within a division. One more quick note, San Francisco could clinch a playoff berth with a win and a Saints loss. So that breaks down the playoff scenarios for Week 17 in the NFL. Second out of the program, we'll kick off more college football and the national championships right here on VCN, the Sports Betting Network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, 
Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. This is Point Spread Saturday on VSEN, the sports betting network. We have a new prop tracker now available at vcin.com for you to keep up with key NFL props. Head to vcin.com to get current odds as well as the movement each week to follow the trends and find the best value. Track the odds for MVP, head coach, rookie of the year, and more. Check out the prop tracker, betting splits, key trends, and matchup data for every game now at vcin.com slash NFL. Welcome back in to Point Spread Saturday. Happy New Year. I'm Mark Zeno. Appreciate you guys spending your New Year and Saturday morning with me here on VEASAN. Can I just make a quick note when you talk about MVP? You know, I've heard so many people bring up the idea in the NFL that Jonathan Taylor has a shot to win the MVP uh, over Aaron Rodgers. And I will just scream from the rooftops. As somebody who had a ticket last year on Derrick Henry to win the MVP, who rushed for 2,000 yards on the seventh time in NFL history that it's happened, and he didn't win the MVP— I don't care what Jonathan Taylor does this year. If you don't rush for 2,000 yards, you don't deserve the MVP more than Aaron Rodgers does what he did this year. That would be the biggest travesty in the world to give Jonathan Taylor. No disrespect. He's the best running back in the NFL this year. But I'm not giving the NFL to Jonathan, the NFL MVP to Jonathan Taylor uh, this year over Aaron Rodgers and not give it to Derrick Henry last year over Aaron Rodgers. To me, that just seems maniacal. But Again, different discussion for a different day, so I can put that uh, put that to bed. At least that's where I sit on the NFL MVP discussion. All right, uh, we have the college football playoff final set between Georgia and Alabama, a rematch of the SEC championship game. Uh, late late last night, about halftime, a little bit after halftime, uh, the odds makers opened up. The line is Georgia, two-and-a-half-point favorite at Circa. Uh, Westgate had them at minus one last night, sometime in the second quarter, so... I uh, haven't seen the latest of where odds are at this point in time. But again, it makes sense that Georgia is still the favorite in this spot. The recency bias that you've seen from Alabama, um, let's remember that in the SEC championship game, Georgia was a six and a half uh, point favorite over Alabama in that game. It doesn't swing that much to make Bama a favorite uh, in just two games after the fact. So it should, it's Georgia is the better team and has been all year long. It stands to reason that they'd be a favorite in this spot, but let's sort of look at the game plan and the attack for Georgia and how they can go out and win this game. Because I think a lot of the early money is going to move in on Alabama at this point, despite the fact that it's less than a field goal. 
Uh, Alabama probably the more publicly bet team. As you saw in the semifinal uh, in the Orange Bowl, Michigan was a heavily bet public team over Georgia. Georgia is not the public darling that some of these other programs are, despite the fact that they've been a college football powerhouse for the better part of the last decade. Uh, and since Kirby Smart has taken over, have been in the college football national championship picture uh, for the last four consecutive years. So, again, uh, I think a lot of early money will come in on Alabama and push this thing down closer to one. Um, if you like Alabama at this point, I would jump on the money line early because that's probably where the value is to look at them as uh, getting you know better than minus 110, which you're going to pay as soon as they get to be a favorite. So as you see on the screen coming up here, Alabama plus 130 is probably the smarter move at this point in time than necessarily catching the two and a half points. If you're a Georgia backer, I'd wait. I'd wait. I, I don't see this line getting to three and a half. If it does, I'd be very surprised unless some major big time sharp money comes in on Georgia early on here. Uh, I don't see it going in that direction. I see it going back towards Alabama, given that the public will say, look, oh, Georgia uh, got smacked by Alabama the last time they played. And you're giving me points again. I think the public will jump on Alabama in this spot. Alabama leads this series 42, 25, and 4. And they've won the last seven meetings. And Kirby Smart has never beaten his former boss in Nick Saban. He's 0-4 against Nick Saban. Again, Nick Saban's only lost to one assistant. That was earlier this year when Texas A&M and Jimbo Fisher had beat the Crimson Tide at Kyle Field in College Station, uh, the only time Nick Saban has lost to an assistant. Now, do you believe that Kirby Smart, given a second chance in the span of three games, is going to be able to beat his former boss? I think the, the advantage goes to Kirby Smart. I mean, Nick Saban devised a brilliant game plan in the SEC championship game to neutralize a Georgia front that is super aggressive, to take away um, a, a pass rush from Georgia that had bothered quarterbacks all season long. Saban used a short passing game, and Bryce Young did something in that game that he hadn't done a lot of all season long, and that's run with the football. Bryce Young had only, in the SEC championship game leading up to that game, he only rushed for 44 total yards all season long. He's not a quarterback, despite his mobility, that takes off and runs a lot. And so he did that in the SEC championship game, and it certainly helped out uh, his team because he was able to extend plays, get first downs, and keep the ball out of Georgia's hands. Now, conversely, Alabama's defense probably played one of their better games all season long and made life very frustrating for quarterback Stetson Bennett of Georgia and why many people thought that Stetson Bennett should have been benched for the Orange Bowl in favor of JT Daniels, who was getting Heisman consideration when this season started. Stetson Bennett silenced a lot of doubters uh, in the Orange Bowl, throwing for a career-high 310 yards and three touchdowns, and certainly looked every bit as efficient as we've seen him look all season long. But here's the thing for Georgia. Again, they played from a lead. They took the ball first, and they played with a lead. Stetson Bennett in a negative game script is an awful position for him to be in. Go back to the SEC championship game. Stetson Bennett looked fine in the first quarter when Georgia took a 10-0 lead. Once they started trailing and the offense coordinator, Todd Munkin for Georgia started to get a little bit antsy instead of just running the ball and playing to their strengths, decided to pass, 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 pass. And it put Stetson Bennett in a disadvantageous situation. They can't do that again. Georgia has to play with a lead if they want to get the quality Stetson Bennett that they're going to expect to need to beat Alabama. I think Georgia needs to go back to the running game. Will Alabama come up with the same game plan? Alabama's offensive line 
um, leading up prior to the SEC championship game was a huge question mark. You saw what Auburn did to them. You saw what LSU did to them. These were close games that Bama played uh, throughout the regular season in games that many people didn't think or expected them to be in. They were double-digit favorites against these teams and were not able um, to, to, to separate at all. They barely won those games, period. So the offensive line seemed to be a real issue. And then all of a sudden, they again, I think it was scheme. I think it was short passes. I think it was a matter of not allowing the offensive line to have to block for more than two or three seconds that allowed Alabama to take advantage of a very aggressive Georgia defense. Um, much as you saw Brian Robinson in the Cotton Bowl uh, be able to get out and run, he looked healthy again. He had lower body injuries. He had a hamstring injury. He was dealing with a knee. I mean, he, he finally got healthy in the rest time between the SEC championship game and the Cotton Bowl, and he looked fantastic. Will he be able to run the ball against the Georgia front? Michigan was a great running team this year. They couldn't run at all last night, just 77 rushing yards total. Uh, when Georgia's holding teams to that sort of number, it's advantage Georgia all the way um, and forcing a ton of three and outs. And so will Alabama use the same game plan they used in the SEC championship game? Possibly. But it'll be interesting to see how the game unfolds between both those teams. And we'll find that out one week from Monday in the national championship game. All right, let's pivot back to uh, the bowl games from today uh, as we look at five on the slate. And I'll go in reverse order because I didn't get a chance to handicap completely the Sugar Bowl between Ole Miss and Baylor, where Ole Miss is laying a point and a half and a total of 55. Uh, Baylor is a team that clearly wants to win this game. Uh, their head coach, Dave Aranda, is continuing to rebuild this program and keep them at the top of college football. Uh, he wins the Big 12 championship game. You could argue he could have lost it and probably should have lost it. He was the beneficiary of Spencer Sanders, the quarterback for Oklahoma State, throwing four interceptions. Um, but still, they didn't score in the second half of that game where maybe they only got a field goal, but it was limited. Um, they took advantage of Oklahoma State's mistakes and were able to hang on. Uh, and their defense, two huge stops um, with Oklahoma State inside the five-yard line in the fourth quarter. So you give them credit for holding on and winning the game. Ole Miss has been great all year long. Offensively, they've been one of the better teams in college football, but it's really been a case of two seasons for Ole Miss. The first five games of the year, they were averaging nearly 49 points a game, uh, and they broke 50 twice, uh, excuse me, three times, broke 60 once in that span. In the final seven games of the regular season, they never scored more than 31, and this was a team that early on in the year was seeing totals in the mid to high 70s. They have finished the regular season on seven straight unders. Baylor finished the regular season four straight unders. They haven't broken 30 in five straight. With the number at 55, I like the under here. I think Oklahoma, uh, Ole Miss defense, rather, is a little bit underrated. They're very middle of the road. They're not special. But they're good enough to take a Baylor offense that isn't exactly a high-powered offense uh, and take advantage of the fact that uh, they won't score that much. Um, and, and so... I like the under in this spot. I like Ole Miss laying one and a half. I think they're the better team, but I think this is more of a, again, when you're under 54 uh, or um, the number is above 54, I should say, I can stay under the key number of 54. Uh, then I feel like, you know, this is a great spot uh, to take the under. Some people would look at this and say a shootout's possible. I, I think when you have questions at quarterback uh, for Baylor, whether it is Blake Shapin or Jerry Bohannon, uh, we'll figure out who's going to start in the game probably once it kicks off, but uh, I'll take the here and Ole Miss. All right, when we come back, we'll look more into the national championship and the bowl game for today. Pete Futek 
of college football news will join us next right here on Point Spread Saturday on Vston, the Sports Betting Network. This is Point Spread Saturday on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. If you missed any part of our show or anything on the VSIN schedule today, don't forget to check out our free sports betting podcast. Catch replays of all of our shows or download and listen on your schedule. Go to VSIN.com slash podcast and get Beating the Book with Gil Alexander or Market Insights with Josh Applebaum. Plus, we've got Hardwood Handicappers, the Lombardi Line, Follow the Money, Coast to Coast Hoops, and many more. And they're all free and available now at vcin.com slash podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back into Point Spread Saturday. Happy New Year, everybody. I'm Mark Zeno. Appreciate you spending your Saturday morning with me as we get ready for a huge, one of the best betting days of the year, and it is the first day of the year uh, here on New Year's Day. Five bowl games to get to uh, as we'll continue to discuss them more. Also, a big NFL slate in Week 17, college hoops action. A lot of top 10 teams in action today, including number one Baylor versus number eight Iowa State in Ames, Iowa. Huge game in college hoops today. So, uh, we got a lot to get to here, but let's welcome in from collegefootballnews.com. Pete Futek joins Point Spread Saturday. Pete, good morning. Happy New Year and welcome. Merry New Year to you. How are you doing? I am doing well. All right, let's go back uh, to yesterday's games between uh, Alabama and Cincinnati in the Cotton Bowl, Georgia and Michigan in the Orange Bowl. Uh, very few surprises for me, at least, in the Cotton Bowl, and I was very pleased to see Nick Saban, not that he needs my advice, but was really smart with the game plan. Instead of going up against two of the best cornerbacks in the nation and probably top 10 draft picks in the upcoming draft, he just said, I'm bigger, I'm stronger, and I'm going to run this ball down your throat for four quarters. And that's pretty much exactly what he did as, the, as Alabama dominated over Cincinnati. Yeah, and it kind of was that they didn't think that Cincinnati could score. I mean, they just kind of from jump. You know, the first drive, you're right. They barreled it down and said, all right, we got a healthy Brian Robinson. It's part of the thing about the college football playoff that gets a little lost is, is that the top teams, while they might have sputtered at the end uh, and might have had a few problems, after about three or four weeks, they're healthy. I mean, that was a, that was a different Brian Robinson than the guy who was kind of limping along uh, over the second half of the season. It was great, but certainly didn't have that same pop on a consistent basis. And you're right. They just sort of dominate. Now, was it that or was it that Bryce Young had a, bat, a mediocre game? I mean, he was fine. No print, no picks. Uh, I kind of equate it to the year when uh, Alabama beat Washington in the Peach Bowl. And it was like 24-7. They went through the motions to get, you know, survive in advance, move on. They were never any threat. But you could also see that something was a wee bit off. And then they got tagged in the national championship. Uh, I kind of think this might be that. I, I, I'm not going to say Bryce Young is going to come back and you know not have a great game, uh, but this this might have been a case where they did what they had to do, but they certainly did not look perfect in all phases in that game. Flip over to the Orange Bowl, where perfect uh, is what Stetson Bennett was, nearly flawless uh, in the game against Michigan. Uh, look, I expected the game to be a little bit more competitive, but in reality, when the game unfolded, you started to go, oh, yeah, that's the Georgia team I watched for 12 consecutive games before the SEC championship game. So it shouldn't have been surprising to anybody that that same exact team showed back up once again. Stetson Bennett looked fantastic. Yeah, I biffed a whole bunch this bowl season. This has been a rough one in every way possible to try to handicap this bowl season. 
this one I think I kind of am reading it right, where you're dead on right, where this was the team. You know, look, you know, Alabama in years when it won national championships almost always had a speed, had a bump along the way where they had to get over uh, and then lose, advance, everything was fine. Maybe that Alabama game was just that. And maybe it was just as simple as Alabama needed that game and Georgia didn't. But you're right. I mean, this is the team of 2021. This was the team with the dominant defense that was every bit as great all along as like the 2019 LSU offense was, you know, in terms of uh, being the unit that said, yep, this is our year. And that's the thing about Stetson Bennett. When he doesn't need to stress and he doesn't, isn't under really any pressure, he's great. And you could see from the opening drive that that was just a different, confident, healthier, more jacked-up team. And they played like it because, you know, he was great. He dropped a couple big bombs in there. The running game was great. And that defense was smoking. It was, you could tell, though. I was there in the building from right out of the, back, the gate. As soon as Alabama won – you can see Georgia's like, yep, there's our prize. Let's just get through this game and move on. Yeah, and it's interesting because I said this earlier, and I even tweeted it out last night before the game started. I hate Stetson Bennett in negative game script. I hate Stetson Bennett when he's forced to throw. I hate Stetson Bennett when he's playing catch-up. As long as Georgia keeps him ahead and keeps him in front of the sticks, he's a completely different quarterback. Now, does that mean he's limited? You could argue that, but... You don't need to have a great quarterback to win a national championship, as we've seen over and over again. You just need to have a competent one, and Stetson Bennett is that. And he can run. I mean, JT Daniels doesn't run. Look, JT Daniels is an NFL quarterback. Stetson Bennett isn't. But look, <laughs> what else would you have liked? I'm with you, by the way, but Stetson Bennett, what else do you want out of the guy last night? I mean, again, you know, he was hitting those – he hit some gorgeous deep throws. He made the right decisions early on. He was spreading the ball around just fine. And there were, he ran three times, but all three times it was to keep things moving. And that's something that JT Daniels couldn't do. Uh, and then on top of that, the defense was dominant. That was, that was the Georgia we've been waiting for. And I think it's going to be the Georgia we're going to get against Alabama as well. And I, I despise, I know it's early, I despise ever picking against Alabama in the national championship. And I completely whiffed on doing that last year. Uh, but I kind of think Georgia's going to win this. Well, it's interesting. As we talk about it, Georgia opened up as a two-and-a-half-point favorite over at Circle. I think Westgate had him as a one-point favorite. Uh, I just wonder what Nick Saban will do from a game plan standpoint. I thought he had a flawless game plan in the SEC championship game, neutralized Georgia's pass rush, didn't try to run into the teeth of the Georgia defense, used the short passing game, got his offensive line to only have to hold blocks for two or three seconds. But we did see some unprecedented breakdowns from Georgia's defense in that game, uh, as wide receivers are running through that Georgia secondary, uh, I don't think Nick Saban was doing yesterday. People were arguing, oh, well, he's not going to put much on tape. I mean, they played each other in, in the previous game. They, they, Georgia has all the tape on Alabama that they need. If it's not on tape yet, it's because Alabama hasn't done it yet. Um, but I, oh, I just, yeah, yeah. They weren't they were, they were going to hold back and not put, any, do the, put stuff on taping at Cincinnati. That, that was not, they were not going to do that against them, no. No, and so I, I just look at the, the, this game here and think it's more on Kirby to out-scheme Nick Saban than it is on Saban to out-scheme Kirby Smart, if that makes sense. I'll actually flip that on you because here's the one gigantic difference between the first game and this. They had John Mechie for most of that first game, and then he got hurt, and now he's out for the, the year, he's out for this game. Uh, Jamison Williams, he got dinged last you know, last night. He, that shoulder injury. He came back and played and seemed like he was fine. 
but you can see that basically Cincinnati was targeting Jamison Williams. They, they took him out of the game early on, and certainly Bryce Young's good enough to spread the ball around. But on a higher level, again, there's no Mechie. Uh, the receiving core is just a little bit dinged up. And so if they have to run the ball, that's a problem. Because I don't think Brian Robinson's doing what he did last night against that Georgia defense. So uh, I think it's the difference. It's now Saban's got to come up with something because Bryce Young was okay last night. Uh, but he can't, again, 188 yards, three touchdowns, no picks, no complaints. But he's got to be a whole lot better than that and with a lesser receiving core than he had the first time around. One more on the national championship. Georgia needs to be able to run the ball to be effective. Can they do it against Alabama? Because they didn't try as much when they got behind uh, against Alabama. Yeah, I, I I actually kind of think that it's all about that defense. You know, because if the defense is doing what it's supposed to do and it's, it's able to hold down Alabama, look, Alabama only got three points against Auburn for the first, you know, 58 minutes and – 40 seconds or so, you know, it's possible for this Alabama defense to go through funks. And so I, Alabama offense to go through funks. So I do think that it is possible uh, that it's just up to the defense of Georgia just to rise up and rock in this. And then everything else functions out of there in terms of their scheming. All right. Final thoughts here. Pete Futek of college football news, uh, five bowl games today. You got a favorite play. Is there a team you're looking at that, that you think gets a win? You know, yeah, it's just a, always tough in these bowl games. Always go with the more talent. I, I still think I, Ohio State, I guess. I mean, just because Utah's going to be so checked. I know they lose four guys. But Ohio State's just so much more talented all across the board. Uh, I do like uh, the Buckeyes to do that. And the Matt Corral factor against Baylor. I mean, they, you know, the Ole Miss has its quarterback. It's got enough parts for turning. I do think uh, that's a pretty low line to be given away to an Ole Miss team that has uh, the, the best quarterback remaining in this, uh, this tournament. This, uh, this bowl, these bowls. I do think that he's going to rise up and have one big monster game tonight. Yeah, obviously, again, a last chance for Matt Corral to – uh, impress NFL scouts in a game that he's going to put on tape and a game that actually matters. So uh, I agree with you. I'm on Ole Miss. Uh, I think it's going to be a great, a great game, but Ole Miss certainly the better team. And, you know, Ohio State's all about motivation for those guys. So we'll see uh, how much they, they take the role as a consolation prize. But Pete Futek, College Football News, thanks for joining me. Happy New Year. Uh, enjoy the games today. Absolutely. You have a good one. All right. Again. Going to be an interesting one, uh, to say the least, today. But he is right. I mean, the more talented teams end up showing up. And if you put roster against roster, Ohio State certainly is more talented than Utah. Let's just see if that plays out on the field today. All right, coming up next, uh, more of my picks, both in the college ranks and the NFL. Coming up next as we wrap things up on Point Spread Saturday, right here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., 
We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. This is Point Spread Saturday on VSEN, the sports betting network. Sign up for a Play Debit MasterCard and get paid faster than a paper check with direct deposit. Always be ready to roll with PlayCard. Visit PlayCard.com today to apply, subject to card activation and ID verification. Terms and costs apply. Card issued by MetaBank and a member FDIC. Welcome back into Point Spread Saturday. I'm Mark Zeno. Happy New Year, everybody. As we wrap things up here, get you set for a full slate of college bowl games today, kicking off at noon Eastern, capped off tonight uh, by the Rose Bowl and the Sugar Bowl. Of course, we get the NFL coming up tomorrow. As I mentioned earlier, a lot of college basketball uh, to pay attention to today uh, as college hoops will kick up now that college football is winding down. You got two of the top 10 teams in the nation, a huge Big 12 matchup between number one Baylor traveling to Ames, Iowa to face number eight Iowa State. Uh, big matchup there also in the Big East, Villanova and Seton Hall going at it today. A matchup of top 25 teams. So a lot of good college hoops going on, a lot of cancellations as well, but uh, still uh, some good action going on today in college hoops. All right, my plays for the weekend get back to the NFL here uh, as we look at the list of what I'm going to play tomorrow. Uh, I told you about the Buccaneers and Jets. Uh, I, I think the 14 and a half points, probably a little bit too rich to lay. Um, even though it is the Jets, I, I like the Buccaneers team total 
once it posts, if you're getting something under 30, and the Buccaneers can easily get to 30 against a bad Jets defense. They'll get Antonio Brown, a little bit of a shot in the arm for the offense, at least for the passing game for Tom Brady. The Jets offense actually been fairly competent as of late, scoring at least 21 in their last four contests. And so with the Jets being able to do their part, and you look at a total here in this game of just 45 and a half, I'm under that key number 47. Even if this gets to 46 or 46 and a half, I would take it. Uh, if you're telling me the Jets can get to 20, I certainly think the Buccaneers can do 30. Even if the Jets only get to 17, um, I, I believe Buccaneers can get to 30. 30 to 17 gets you home. Uh, and that key number of 47. So I'll take the over in that matchup there. Jaguars and Patriots. Expect this game to be slow and ugly. It's going to be cold, obviously, in Foxborough outdoors. The Jaguars' offense is not competent. I know that they, you know, finally got rid of Urban Meyer, and, and people thought all of a sudden the Jaguars were going to were going to start to be an offensive team. James Robinson is now gone. He's out. This is not an offense that's going to score more than 13 points in this game. They may not score more than 10. Uh, if you're getting a Jaguars team total uh, that is under two touchdowns, under 14. I, I think that's a viable play, but I like the under in this spot. 30 to 10 gets you home, 27 to 6, 27 to 9. All those numbers get you under that low total of 41 and a half. The Patriots do just enough to win this game. It doesn't have to be fancy. If this game goes over, it's because the Patriots went over the total all by themselves uh, and they scored 40. I don't envision a scenario where this ends up 27 17 uh, in a spot like that and it goes over. Uh, I just don't think the Jaguars have enough on offense at all to be able to. Uh, to do their part to get this thing to the over. Raiders and Colts, I like the under there as well with one caveat. Let's just see what the quarterback situation looks like for the Colts as of right now. Carson Wentz, who is in COVID protocol, may not play. He may come out of it. Let's see what the NFL decides to do and what the Colts can do. If there's no Carson Wentz, this is a Raiders offense that in six of the last seven games has failed to score more than 17 points. Their offense is completely inefficient at this point in time. There's still no Darren Waller, although he may be expected back for this game, but it hasn't changed much even in the games that he has played. With no Carson Wentz, will the, will the passing game be completely ineffective? Probably not, but they'll rely on Jonathan Taylor. And when you rely on the running game as much as the Colts do, certainly allows them not to score as many points as you'd like at 44 and a half, as long as I am above 44, another key number there, uh, then I think that taking the under is the right play. But again, I'd wait and see what Carson Wentz status is before I place the actual bet. Final NFL game that I'm looking at, Bengals getting five points from the Chiefs, which should be a very fun and exciting game with a total of 50. I like the over in this spot as well, but I'll take the five points that the Bengals are getting. Yes, KC needs to win this to get the number one seed. Yes, the Bengals need to win this thing to clinch the AFC North. So there's motivation on both sides here as we're in week 17. Remember, one more week of the regular season still. But just too many points for Kansas City to be laying. I do like the total a lot here, over 50 as well. Kansas City has gone over 30, I think, in each of their last five contests. Uh, they've been very, very good offensively. Uh, and so you don't have to worry about that team scoring points. And Cincinnati uh, is a team that, despite their struggles early on in games, has managed to score late in the second half. Go back to that San Francisco game uh, a couple of weeks ago. Again, they put up 41 against Baltimore. They put up 41 against Pittsburgh. Uh, so we know that they can score. Uh, and when you look at the Kansas City defense, despite the fact that they've only given up 17 points or less in seven of their last eight games, as they've gone on this eight-game winning streak here uh, to surge to the top of the AFC, uh, just too many points here for me to lay with a team in Cincinnati uh, that that 
obviously wants to win this game a little bit more. Kansas City can withstand a loss. Not that I'm saying that they would be able to do it, but if it doesn't work out that way, I think Kansas City still wins the game. Uh, I just think it's by a field goal. I think you're looking at more of a uh, a situation where um, this is a you know 31-27 kind of final. Um, get you in that spot right there, uh, and that gets you over the total as well. So those are the NFL plays that I have, as you see them up on the screen there. Buccaneers, Jets over, Jags, Patriots under, Raiders and Colts under. Just make sure you get the status of Carson Wentz before you place that bet in Bengals, getting five, and I'll also play the over uh, in the Bengals-Chiefs game. On to college. Uh, as we look at the college games uh, for today in the bowl games, my two favorite plays are Ole Miss, uh, laying the one-and-a-half against Baylor. As we just talked to Pete Futek, collegefootballnews.com, more talented team, better quarterback, uh, I love Dave Aranda as a coach of Baylor, and I like their defense, but um, they haven't seen an offense like Ole Miss this year, uh, despite the fact that it is the Big 12. They still haven't seen an offense and a quarterback of this caliber uh, that they'll see in Matt Corral today with a short number like one and a half. Um, it, it's it's worth it for me um, to look at, at, at Ole Miss uh, and covering the number easily, but uh, I'll look at the under in this game, too. I just I know Baylor's defense is good, and it will be able to slow down a Ole Miss offense. Um, does Ole Miss get to 30? Maybe. Uh, and they've only gotten to 31 in each of their last six contests. So uh, this is a team that has been on, on under in seven straight games to finish out the regular season, despite the fact that their totals for Ole Miss were in the mid-70s, mid to high 70s early on this year because they were that kind of offense that could score that many points. Um, and Baylor has finished the season on four straight unders. So uh, I'll keep that trend going and take the under 55. Uh, Arkansas and Penn State in the Outback Bowl. I like Arkansas. Uh, I'll lay the two and a half points here. Um, and the under is interesting to me because I don't think that Penn State's offense can do enough uh, to get into the mid-20s. Arkansas's defense, especially their pass defense, is very good. Uh, and from that standpoint, I think they'll slow down a Penn State team that doesn't necessarily have a whole ton of motivation. I think motivation is in favor of Arkansas in this spot as Sam Pittman, the head coach of the Razorbacks, in his third season to win a bowl game from where they were in the SEC, I think is a huge, huge win for the Razorbacks. So much more motivation, <coughs> excuse me, on the Razorback side to win the game. Uh, so I'll lay the points with Arkansas despite the fact that this line is flipped. It makes me a little bit nervous. But it's still a spot where I can look at uh, uh, Arkansas and say, uh, if it's less than a field goal, I'm comfortable laying the points. And then the granddaddy of them all, the Rose Bowl. Uh, Ohio State opened up as a six-and-a-half-point favorite, despite the fact that they've had opt-outs. Uh, and this number has been bet all the way down to minus four for Ohio State. It's probably not a bad time to jump on the Buckeyes. Uh, again, the more talented team. Has Utah seen anybody the likes of Ohio State in the Pac-12? They have not. They're not ready for an offense like this. This is the number one offense in the country in terms of points scored. Does the opt-outs matter for them? Probably not. Um, with with C.J. Stroud at quarterback, he'll run, he'll throw. It doesn't matter who is playing wide receiver. Uh, granted, Chris Olave is maybe the best wide receiver in the country, um, and whether he plays in the game or not, Ohio State's still going to have mismatches all over the field offensively. But I do like the over here. Uh, I, I think Ohio State will do their part to get to 30. And Utah, who has scored 38 at least in their last four consecutive games, will do their part again uh, to, to get to 30. And if both these teams get to 30, that 64 should be easy. I have a hard time believing you're going to get a 33-30 uh, type final, and that'll be the end of it. If both teams are in the 30s, then this over is coming in. 
Uh, it's just a question of whether Ohio State's defense can hold Utah under 30. Now, Utah likes to run the ball, so it makes me a little bit squeamish to run the ball effectively enough where uh, if they can run the ball effectively enough that uh, they will be able to score enough points. And look, if Utah gets out early um, and, and scores you know, two touchdowns or at least gets me to 17 or 20 by halftime, I feel really, really good uh, about the over coming in. So uh, the math works out that way for me. And that'll do it for my picks for uh, today and in the NFL. Uh, again, a great, great bowl slate for us here today on the final big bowl day of the college football season. You guys can follow me on Twitter at Mark Zinno. I also post a lot of my picks there and betting information as well. Certainly appreciate you guys joining me here on this edition of Point Spread Saturday. Wishing you nothing but good luck on all of us today. Have a happy new year. And thank you for watching Point Spread Saturday on Visa and the Sports Betting Network. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball. From growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.